You're never too young to be part of God's family. You're never too old to be part of God's family. And when we have the kids stay in the wall today, we're going to stop throughout the sermon and turn and talk to each other and work out answers and pray for each other. And I just want to say to you young people, we value your input. And so if you're a younger person here, you'd normally be out in children's ministry. So glad you're joining with us. And when we stop and pause, would you please contribute what God puts on your heart too? Because we value what God is saying through you so much. Interesting, um, the words this morning about use the gifts you're given, about the seed of faith, and about spend time with the Lord. So God can use you. You'll see as I share on this parable this morning that those themes go right through what I'm saying. And that's the way the Holy Spirit works. God is exciting. Now, before we talk about a parable, one of my favorite parables on evangelism, and something I've talked about, if you've done the effective evangelism course, we've touched on this too. Before I do that, I want you to turn to the people around you and work out, come to a conclusion as to what's the difference between witnessing and evangelism. So what does it mean to be a witness? What does it mean to be an evangelist? Turn to the people around you and just solve that problem for us. Get it clear in your mind because then this parable is going to make more sense. You think it's the same, uh huh? Ten seconds, friends. Get a clear focus in your mind, clear definition. What is witnessing? What is evangelism? How are they different? Have I got someone brave enough to call out their answer from their discussion? Yes, go for it, Maggie. Okay. Awesome, okay. Yep, that's pretty good. So, thank you very much, Maggie. Now, how many people in any congregation are gifted to be evangelists? Probably one, two, three in a church's size. An evangelist equips the church for ministry. An evangelist prepares us to do evangelism, to be witnesses in the community, and they're effective. They can speak to people. They seem to have a gifting at helping people cross the line. Not everyone's an evangelist, but everyone's a witness. And the key to witnessing is you've got to use your words. It's spoken. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. So when we talk about this parable this morning, one of my favorite parables on evangelism, on witnessing the sower and the seed. Interesting, Anthony brought that up this morning. Bear in mind, we're not talking about the three or four people in this church who might be gifted as evangelists. We're talking about everybody. This parable relates to everyone because it's talking about the way every one of us is called by God to cast seed. And we'll find out what that is in just a minute. As a church and as a church eldership, our passion is to see every person in the church equipped with the confidence and the ability to understand the gospel and share it naturally according to your gifting and your personality. We don't want you to copy people. We don't want you to go through a set program. We want you to know the gospel so well in your heart that when you're befriending people, when you're having a coffee, 
When you're going for a walk or a jog with someone else who's not yet a Christian, you'll know how to speak to them. And when they begin to respond to the Holy Spirit, you'll know how to follow them up. That This little introductory book is all about that. It's about equipping the church so that friends and family can lead friends and family to the Lord. And in the months and years ahead, my conviction is this. As a local congregation, we're going to see most of our people coming to faith because of conversations during the week. So historically, as a movement and in this context, it's been about altar calls, it's been about conferences, about big meetings. I actually think in our situation, it's going to be about people like you and me speaking about the Lord Jesus alongside people we care about and following them up as they respond to the gospel. It's about witnessing one-on-one. Jesus is surrounded by a whole lot of people. They're coming to hear him speak. He's been doing miracles. He speaks with authority. And he steps out into a boat. And he sits in the boat. Why? Because the water reflects sound. And it's a natural amphitheater. So he sits in a boat and he begins to teach and he begins to talk about this parable, the parable of the sower and the seed. I'm going to ask you to stand, friends, as I read Mark chapter 4, verse 3. I believe as we speak the word of God over our lives, things change here and things can even change physically because the word of God's that powerful. Verse 3, listen, a farmer went out to plant seed. As he scattered it across the field, some of the seed fell on the footpath and the birds birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed that, that seed sprouted quickly, but the soil was shallow. But the plant soon withered under the hot sun. And since it didn't keep deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they sprouted and grew and produced a crop that was 30, 60 and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone who has ears to hear should listen and understand. Please be seated for about two minutes. Jesus had been teaching from the boat and um, as often happened with Jesus, when Jesus moved away from the crowds, the disciples would come up and say, Lord, that, that was really good, but heck, what did you mean? Explain some more. And he'd go deeper. And there's an incredible mystery around parables. Jesus spoke about it, and we've seen it take place in people's lives. If someone has a heart to find God, to meet God, to be connected with God, they hear a parable and faith grows. But if somebody is not interested in God and they have no heart for God, they hear a parable and nothing happens. They go, well, that was just a weird story. What's it mean? I don't get it. Now, the disciples are getting it and Jesus is further explaining what he said as he often does, as he often did with his followers. I love the fact that when Jesus spoke, when Jesus preached, when Jesus taught, if he wanted to, he could have made the skies thunder. He could have made the earth shake. He could have caused seas to part and incredible things to happen all around folk. And everybody would have believed because there's no option. You'd be forced to believe because the evidence is so clear. 
Jesus could have done that. He could have. Every time he spoke, spoke and shook the elements and done things in such a way, everyone comes to faith. But is it faith if you don't seek God? Is it faith if you feel forced to come to conclusion? That's not the sort of God that we serve. And so Jesus spoke, yes, with authority, yes, with power, but in a way that people had to seek after him to find him. That people had to want relationship. They weren't going to be forced into relationship. They had to seek for relationship. And so he explains the parable. I'll get you to stand again, please. It's better than the aerobics Oz style coming to church. There we are. Then Jesus said to them, If you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the others? This parable is a key for so many. The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message, only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word. But all, true, all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth and the desire for other things, so no fruit's produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as what was planted. Please be seated. I want to speak to you this morning about four types of soil. Then I want us to put into practice some seed throwing and sowing of seed in the world. The first type of person who receives the seed from the farmer could be called a hard-hearted person. This type of person hears something from God, uh, some words from Scripture, maybe a prophetic word, uh, God speaks to them and they're not even interested. There's no reaction. It just falls on hard, like on a rock, and nothing eventuates. It's snatched away by the hungry birds quickly. Verse 16 speaks about people who are shallow-hearted. Shallow-hearted people hear something about God. They get really excited. They tell people Jesus is great. They put a mumper sticker on their cars. They spring up quickly and appear to grow fast. But they haven't developed a relationship with God. And the moment prayers aren't answered, the moment there's challenge and difficulty and heat and stress, they walk away. And they say things like, I didn't expect it to be so hard. Oh, that was... It was way too challenging. I'm out of here. And they do. They vacate. They walk away from faith. The person who's with the hard heart hears about God, but those words are instantly snatched away. The person with the shallow heart hears God's words. They seem to respond with faith and grow fast. But when hard times come, when the heat of life is on, they're gone. And then there's a third type of person, a person that we would call people with crowded hearts, verses 18 and 19. These people hear about God, but those truths don't take hold of that person's heart because A, they're too worried about money, about paying bills, about meeting the budget, or B, they've bought into the deception that if you get wealthy, your wealth will make you happy. And there's nothing wrong in Scripture about being wealthy, but the lure of money, the idea that 
money equals happiness is a danger. Or C, they brought into the lie that if you just had a little more, just bought the new thing, life would be good. These people are worried about what they don't have. Uh, they're chasing wealth for happiness and they're just wanting a little bit more. People with crowded hearts. And we know people like that. Maybe at times we've been people like that. All these distractions crowd around the words of God that they receive from the farmer. And so they don't do well. They don't produce a harvest. And finally, some of the seed fell on people who are good-hearted. These are the people who really want to know God. They hear words about God and from God's word. They accept that it's true and they believe it. Now, in ancient times, if you were a farmer sowing seed and you put in one seed and you got eight seed back, that was considered a really good day. Put in one seed, harvest eight seeds, a great day. But this is crazy. People with a good heart who respond to the word of God and take it on board and they believe it produce a harvest 30-fold, not eight-fold. Eight is good. 30 is crazy. 60s are just amazing. A hundred falls just off the planet. Just incredible. So what takes place in the natural and the supernatural is far greater. They produce an incredible harvest. They have an exponential impact on the world around them. That impact is a little bit like the mustard seed we spoke about and the light and the salt and the leaven we spoke about just a couple of weeks ago. Believers who receive the word of God with good hearts produce an exponential harvest. When we read this parable, the fact that uh, we are here probably suggests that we're good-hearted people. Someone who's not good soul is not interested in coming to church, is not interested in the word of God. We're good-hearted people. And I honor you for being here. I honor you for putting God first. But alongside the fact that even though we might be good-hearted people today, I recognize in my life there are times when I get distracted. There are times when I don't listen enough and meditate on what God said enough. And so even though when you look at these four categories of soil and say, realistically, people here are probably all fit into the good-hearted soil, I would still say we need to be alert and be careful because there are times and days and moments where maybe the other Types of reactions become ours as well. I want you to turn to the people beside you for a couple of minutes this time and I want you to look at answering these questions up on the screen because if you get these questions right, you'll interpret the parable right and the application becomes really simple. Understanding the parable of the sower and the seeds. First of all, I want you to ask, talk to the person beside you about what is the seed? Who are the sowers, the farmers? What is the field? Is it our role to determine who's good soil or not? And should we build relationships with a person before mentioning something about God throwing seed to them? Two minutes, my friends. Use your brilliance. Talk to the person beside you. Come up with your answers. And young people, we want you to engage. We want your input.
Question number one, friends. What is the seed? I bet you got this right. The seed is the word of God. In the purest form, it's scripture. But it can be anything that points people to God that sows faith. Okay, so word of knowledge, a prophetic word, uh, something that makes people think about God could be, could be a seed as well. It stirs up faith. Faith comes from hearing. Now, from the scripture, most of all, absolutely. Who are the sowers, the farmers? Us, every one of us. All the witnesses that make up the body of Christ. We're the sowers. We're, we're the farmers. It's our job to be casting seed. What is the field? Every person. It's humanity. It's every other living person on this planet. It's the field. It's our role to determine who is a good soul and who isn't. That's really important, friends. You're going to answer right. No, it isn't. Our role is just to cast seed. Now, you might think they're hard-hearted. You might think they've got a crowded heart. You might think all sorts of things about them. Not your job. Not your job. Your job's to cast seed. And God wants you to put out the word, and it's not going to return void. You've given it out by faith. You just cast seed. You've got really no idea what's going on in the heart of another person. You and I might assume but we'll be surprised again and again and again. Throw seed everywhere you go. Should we build a relationship with a person before mentioning something about God, before we throw seed? Not biblical, is it? Came out in the 90s. A lot of people, I love friendship evangelism. I think that's the most powerful, effective way to do evangelism on the planet. But the idea that you've got to build up a friendship with someone before you talk about God is nuts. That is totally unbiblical. The biblical model is throw seed everywhere you go. And as soon as you throw seed, if the heart is open, they're going to come back to you with questions. The longer you leave God or Jesus or the church out of your friendship with that person, the more awkward it's going to become. And I've had people say, I've heard people say to other Christians, why is it you waited 12 months to tell me this? You know, it's why if you care about me, if this is true, why have we been... Yeah, have you been baking me cakes and mowing lawns for two years and you haven't said anything about God if you really believe this stuff? Your job's to cast seed everywhere you go and then you watch for them to germinate. You watch for the growth and you join them with the Holy Spirit. It's interesting what I think God can use, what words God can use to spark faith in somebody else. We're all witnesses. I've been amazed how in New Zealand it's totally culturally appropriate to say, good on you, mate. Or God, sorry, not God bless you, mate. And I must have done that hundreds of times. I've looked someone in the face. I said, God bless you, mate. And they'll respond a week or two later with faith. Now, that's what people say. But if you say it with meaning, you say it from the heart, you say it as giving God the power and the words, I think it can make a real difference. In New Zealand, if you say, look, can I say a prayer? Often people get uncomfortable and a bit fidgety, especially government departments. But if you say, can I just bring a karakaria in Taleo? <laughs> Doors wide open. Doors wide open. And you can say the same things that you could as you could in English. And it can open doors and start conversations later on because you've been wise. I've been amazed at the power of a seed over the years. I remember probably the most dramatic reaction I had to casting seed was when I threw some seed at a Muslim man. And this guy was, he's a five times a day praying person, does the full thing in Islam. 
And I walked in the petrol station one day and um, he was there, the place was full of customers and I came out the counter to pay for my petrol and he said, how's your day going, sir? I said, you and Bill, it's been a great day. It's 10 o'clock. I've had three answered prayers already. And, and the room, he didn't really react. He just looked a little bit stunned, you know. It didn't say anything to me. The place was full of people. I paid for my petrol. Next time I came into the petrol station, it was just me and him. And he waved me over and he said, you believe in God, don't you? I said, yes, you know I do. He said, my family's a mess. Would you pray for my kids? And I prayed for him in the petrol station. And all I did was throw a seed and it was good soil. I was throwing the seed. It was bad soil. We meant to throw seeds, but this was good soil. And that guy and I formed a really good friendship the months that followed. There's so many ways you can throw seed. I've got a friend who lost her husband about three months ago, a very godly lady in this church. And um, people keep saying to her, look, we're just amazed that you're coping. We're just amazed that you're making wise decisions. You're doing so well after losing your best mate, your husband, after all these years. You know what she says? She says, it's only with God's help. Only with God's help. And I think, man, that's not a seed. That's a, that's a garden of seed being thrown at a person. The power in that. There are people in this church who, when they're out giving out sausages on the side of the street or praying for people, they use word of knowledge. And Ned and Nori do it a lot. Sandra does a lot. So they're interacting with people. They get a, an impression from what the Lord's saying about that person and they'll just speak it out. Powerful seed. Powerful seed. We are meant to be people, not evangelists. Don't get scared and think you've got to grab someone and lead them from no interest in God all the way through to salvation and church leadership. Not your job. It takes a church of people to do that. But you're a witness. It's your job wherever you go to throw seed. And you'll be surprised how open people's hearts are. You'll notice the ones that respond in a faithful way. I'm going to give you a couple of scenarios and I'm going to get you to turn to the person beside you and practice throwing seed in these situations. Statement number one. Someone says to you, what a beautiful day. How might you respond in an unreligious, unpreachy way that can sow faith? You've got 30 seconds. Go for it. What a beautiful day. What would you say as a Christian? Now, I'll bet you've got some really good answers to that. What a beautiful day. Without religious jargon, without being preachy, just come back with one sentence. Something I often say is, couldn't happen by accident, could it? It's not a sermon, but man, it gets people thinking. If, if there's a good soil in that person's life, that could germinate into something. Couldn't happen by accident, could it? You'll have, you'll have better ones than that. Here's another one, a hard one for you. This government is useless. 
How are you going to react and sow a seed? That's a challenging one. Turn to the person beside you. This government's useless. I'll give you my response to that one. Again, if I had somebody running around with a mic, I bet there's 20 brilliant responses in this room. This government's useless. What I've said in the past is I pray for them all the time. And I'm convinced that the world's problems can't be solved by politicians. We need greater power, greater wisdom than what they've got. And again, you're not preaching a sermon. That may even be too long. But you're sowing a seed. You sow a seed and the heart's open. Holy Spirit begin to do something. Next time you see that person, they'll ask you a question. They'll watch you more closely. Um, they'll be seeking a bit more information about God. You're at the checkout. And you notice the person at the checkout's wearing a cross. How can you throw a seed? 30 seconds. Turn to the person beside you. They're wearing a cross at the checkout. person at the checkout swearing a cross. I'll bet there's 20, 30 great responses sitting around us in the, in the seats here. But something I would say and have said in the past is, wow, you're wearing a cross. That means so much. Simple as that. It's not even a sermon, but I'll make people think about what they're wearing. And you've probably got better responses than that. Oh, it's interesting. When you look at the way Jesus evangelized, he used signs, he used wonders, he used power. But often he asked questions. And Dave Mann, I think, is the most uh, skilled evangelist in the country about how to reach Kiwis for Jesus. He said, the best thing you can do is come at them with a, a question that gets them thinking. And I think it's great. You can throw a seed and a question at the same time. Love the cross you're wearing. It means so much. Would you stand with me, friends?
Now, it's my plan in the holidays to have short services that the kids enjoy. And so I'm just going to close in prayer. But when I look around at you, and I think of the networks you all have, I think of the people you love and you relate to, who you're a good witness to at work already, I just think of the potential of our words coming out under his power, throwing of seeds this week. What could God do in our city? What could God do in our city if the church, the different denominations that make up Christianity in Whangarei, just get in the habit of unashamedly, lovingly throwing out seeds everywhere we go. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that it's not our job to judge people. It's not our job to determine whether they've got a hard heart or a shallow heart or a crowded heart. It's our job as witnesses, God, just to throw seed. And as we move about the city this week, in and out of hospital, in and out of rest homes and supermarkets and golf courses and maybe fishing boats. Lord, as we do all these things, you're going to provide opportunity for us to throw a seed. So God, we pray for each other this week that our heart would be towards you and our love for you would overflow in such a way that unoffensive, unpreachy uh, comments would come out of our lips with no Christian jargon. Things that People can understand readily that wherever we go, you'd find us as the farmer this week, part of the farmer, sowing seeds in this community. Father, we believe that when the word goes out, it does not return to us void. Father, we believe that faith comes from hearing. And there are people this week who are going to hear our seeds that are thrown out and whose lives will begin to change because of it. God, we don't mind if it takes 10, 20, 100 people to bring the person who's responding this week into your kingdom. We just ask that you help us do our part. Speak about you in a way that opens hearts towards you. Father, we bless each other as we, we stand together this morning. We bless each other to walk closely with you, to spend time with you this week, to soak in your goodness and your truth. And we bless each other, Lord, to let that overflow in our words wherever we go. Father, may your kingdom come. May your will be done. May people begin to see Jesus more clearly because of the things we say in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you, family.